You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, May 27th, and this is episode number 53. I'm your host, Rod Bloom, and joining me today is my friend, Ray Fernando. Ray, how are things going for you, for you uh, this evening? Doing great. No complaints. How are you? I'm, I'm doing just fine. You know, uh, Ray, when I uh, I was looking at your profile... I didn't realize you don't have that many followers on Twitter. <laughs> no, I'm relatively new to Twitter. I use it mo- mostly to just get information as opposed to uh, put myself out there. Okay. I-, I didn't know if you wanted more followers, we can give out your <laughs> Twitter handle and maybe a few people will follow you. Sure. So, what the heck? <laughs> so it- it's at the land 76. That's right. That- that's pretty. That's a pretty cool handle. I like that. So, um, guys, give Ray a follow. He's a great guy. I think you guys will like interacting with him. Uh, I'm a great Browns fan and, and just uh, uh, just a good person. So, um, give Ray a follow. Uh, Ray, we oh, we like to start out uh, the show normally with our Blitz beverages, but we're going to skip that part today um, just for some reasons beyond our control. Uh, we're going to head right into... Uh, talking a little bit about you and just your your history or your uh, kind of your life as a Browns fan, just kind of give us uh, you know whatever you want to share as far as um, you know how you became a Browns fan, just a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe or some of your favorite memories, you know anything you want to put out there. Um, the, sure. The floor. The floor is yours. Yeah. So uh, it's funny <laughs> because um, so I moved to Cleveland. I was born out of the country, and I moved to Cleveland um, in 1976. So that explains the the Twitter handle. Um, and for whatever reason, I was I, I love football, but uh, the Browns were not my original favorite team. It was the Cowboys. I think it was probably back in the generation where you were either a Cowboys or a Steelers fan kind of like good versus evil mm-hmm. um so everything that i owned um uh, from bed sheets to curtains to book bags to you know you, you name it uh including soap it was all about the cowboys and my favorite player growing up was tony dorsett had um you know his jersey and i think it was probably in 1980 so i went to uh the january 1981 game for the wild card um, actually, no, it was the, the divisional series with the, the Browns versus Raiders. So okay. I went to that game where it was, you know, minus 37 with the wind chill, forgot my my winter boots at school and yeah. didn't have, you know, obviously the, the right clothing to go to a game, but got yeah. taken with one of our family friends. And I'm sure 
I would have had um, frostbite at the time. But, um, you know, being dragged along with a group of 10 other adults, I just kind of had to force myself to stay warm. I remember drink, sipping hot chocolate the entire game so that they wouldn't have to take me home early. Um, so I think it was then that, that I really enjoyed the Browns and just truly felt um, more of a connection with Cleveland sports. So even though I live in Chicago now, I am uh, a very diehard Browns fan, Cavs fan, Tribe fan, uh, Buckeyes fan. And I raised my kids to be loyal Cleveland sports fans as well. Um, so that's kind of like how I got into being a Browns fan is just probably enduring, um, you know, in person that that dreadful game with Red Ride 88. Um, yeah. and, then, and then from there on, it's it's I think it's very much um, typifies the city where we just are very diehard fans, regardless of, you know, win or lose. Even though we have bad seasons, we're always ready for that next season, thinking it's going to be our year. So um, kind of like an eternal optimist. I like to think myself that way. Yeah, well, that's uh, we we share that uh, we have that in common. Um, you know, not not every not every Cleveland fan is like that, but uh, you know, uh, there needs to be enough of us around to to kind of uh, you know keep the optimism alive. Right. Uh, some you know some people uh, some people are are more bashers. You know, like to bash your like to bash the organizations kind of year in and year out. And um, you know, I, I guess I can understand kind of that mentality after seeing losing for so long. But, um, you know, for me, and I think for you, uh, being optimistic is just a, just a more pleasant way of life. <laughs> you know, a little easier way to look at things. Yeah, so, I guess that, that makes that makes the, the one time where things actually work out and you win a championship or you have a great year, I think you just appreciate it a lot more. It just, you know, I started thinking back about, you know, all of the you – know, all the negative outcomes in Cleveland sports history, they always have a name associated with it just to kind of mark the fact that it's, it's, you know, a, a pretty iconic loss. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, whether it's the shot, the shot to the, the drive, the fumble, I mean, you name it, um, it just goes on and on. So what's, what's funny is the year that the Cavs won uh, the championship in 16, I, I just remember, you know, for that last minute thinking something is going to go wrong just because you're programmed to be like that as a Cleveland fan. <laughs> uh, so when, when it actually happened and we won the ring, it was more disbelief. I think I was probably one of the first people to, to order as much championship merch as I could online because that's once in a lifetime. Um, and then, and then we yeah. got lucky, like the tribe almost won that year too. And I was, I live a mile down the street from Wrigley. So to, I was thinking about going there for game five to potentially watch us win the world series. And thankfully I didn't spend an arm or a leg to watch us lose that night, but yeah, <laughs> maybe it was like too much, too fast for us in one year. <laughs> yeah. It, it seemed kind of crazy. The, the possibility that, that we could get those two championships, you know, right together like that. And I mean, looking back at it, the way it happened, I really feel like the Indians should have won that series, you know, just the way game seven played out. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, as Cleveland fans, I think most of us are thankful that we got one <laughs> in 16 right. with the Cavs. It's like, it just kind of took the, the monkey off the city's back and just kind of, feel different 
we still, you know, we still need to see something from the Browns. And it's going to be totally different when the Browns you know, win. Um, I, I just think the Browns compared to the Cavs and, and even the Indians, you know, it's just a totally different animal in Cleveland. I think that uh, if the if the Browns can, uh, you know, get to that level at some point and, and actually win a title, you know, sometime in, in our lifetime, it's it, it's going to be I, I don't even know how to put it into words Com- compared to the Cavs win. It's going to be it's just going to be so monumental. Yeah, I totally agree. I've already told my wife that the year that we make it to the Super Bowl, I don't care where it is, uh, how much it costs, but it's going to be once in a lifetime um, for me. I'll, I'll, I'll be there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just um, well, let, let's hope that um, let's hope we're at least headed in that uh, general direction at this point with the Browns. So yeah, definitely uh, like where we're going. For sure. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, Tony Dorsett was was your uh, favorite uh, cowboy growing up. And tell me about some of your favorite Browns, um, you know, maybe through the years or maybe, you know, just a couple of your favorite players. Yeah, I love uh, I love Minifield and Dixon. Those were, I think, the original dogs. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and then obviously you know, Don Rogers, the short period of time that he was with the team, just just kind of had that presence. Uh I think I was more of a defensive guy. Um, you know, we had Chip Banks and Clay Matthews. Just, I mean, it just goes on and on. Um, so I, I, I can't say I have a favorite Browns of all time. I, I was the guy that the one year we actually uh, ended up signing Bad Moon Rise, and I don't know if you remember those years. Um, mm-hmm. That was that was the one year I, I buckled down and, and got an official. NFL Browns jersey, um, which I'm actually wearing right now, the number 80. So and then <laughs> he did he did not have a long career, but you know I didn't. I love Bernie Kosar for what he was, but it just didn't resonate with his style of game. So I, I would never uh, wanted to sport a, a Bernie jersey, but I felt like oh well, Bad Moon's on the team. There, there's a pretty cool um, player, and realized like whoa, okay, that was kind of a flash in the past. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then and then you watch game footage of the classic with Jim Brown. I mean, boy, that that guy was just incredible. Um, the Browns have such a rich history. Uh, I, it's you know people who haven't uh, followed the Browns for that long, um, I, and, and it's not like I followed the Browns when when Jim Brown was playing or anything. But you know, I, I've studied the history enough to to know about it and heard enough stories and everything. It's just, uh, you know, just, just for the Browns to be able to get back to, to close to that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of level, uh, you know, that kind of level of respect or, or, or greatness. Um, I, I, it would just be, I don't know. It would be amazing. I think the, the people of Cleveland, um, I, I just can't imagine how the people of Cleveland would, would feel to have teams like that now. Yeah, no, I, I I wholeheartedly agree. Um, it's interesting the direction that we're going because you know surprisingly you know we weren't able to to get Clowney to sign with us, but it seems as though we're getting more and more 
big names that want to come to Cleveland. Uh, it's almost had a, a stigma associated with it. So it's nice to see at least we're attracting good talent. And, you know, for, for a bad of a history as we've had with even head coaches, the, the fact that we're able to recruit quality coaches to want to come to Cleveland, because for, you know, for a while you make you wonder if you're just running these guys into the ground, like, you know, they're here for a year or two and they're pretty much don't have any, you know, career longevity, what, what's it going to be like for the next guy that you're trying to bring into town? So it's good to see that we're at least just influencing some quality talent, whether it's the coaching ranks or players that want to come to the city of Cleveland to play, which is great. Yeah. And that, you know, that's why I've, uh, I've, I've fought for a long time and, you know, and been very vocal that I wanted some stability, even, you know, even if we didn't have the greatest coach in the world, I wanted, you know, the Browns to, to stick with somebody for a period of, of, of a few years, just because, you know, my, my idea was that if you kept dumping a guy every single year, you're not going to get the, the level of coach that you want, um, mm-hmm. you know, to get, well, um, and they've been doing okay. I mean, they, they kept Hugh Jackson for what two two well between, uh, well two, well, two and a half seasons, I'll say. Um, so, uh, you know, and then since then, it's been, you know, Greg Williams for a few games and Freddie for a season. So, and, and they were still able to get, you know, they still were able to interview a heck of a lot of coaches. And I think most of them were interested in actually coming to the Browns. So uh, maybe, maybe the fact that there are only 32 NFL head coaching jobs, maybe that <laughs> factors in a lot more than, the fact that this is the Browns and and the and you're not likely to have a long career with the Browns as a head coach. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It's I always laugh every single time you hear about you know Belichick being potentially one of the the, the greatest head coaches in, in history, and and to know that you know he had his time with the Browns and got fired and he goes on and and has a remarkable career. So um, you know at some point. I think to, to your point earlier about whether Kitchens was the guy or not, I don't know if he necessarily got just the fair shake to at least prove that he could be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think with, I think with Freddie, I think Freddie's a great guy. I think that, um, I think circumstances changed from the time he was hired to the time that, that, uh, that the season actually started with some of the trades and the roster buildup and everything. So the expectations were different. I don't think Freddie was the guy for, for all the veterans that were on the team. Uh, you know, maybe he just plain wasn't, wasn't ready to, to be a head coach. You know, that's entirely possible. Um, heck of a guy. I loved his, I loved his press conference, his philosophy on life. Um, I, I'd love to sit down and drink a few beers with Freddie kitchens, uh, you know, or, or just playing talk with the guy. Cause like everything about him, he just, uh, you know, it just, it just didn't work out. Um, I stood up for him for a long time. Um, I, I, I still think he did some darn good things. Uh, you, you can't, you can't tell me that the Browns, uh, you know, had a completely horrible season uh, when they, when they beat the Ravens the way they did. That they were just, you can't say that the Browns were awful all season long. When you when you have that game to point to, and and it wasn't the only game that they were, you know that that they actually did some good things. So, um, Freddie made a lot of mistakes. 
it's just, you know, and, and by the end of the season, it was clear that he wasn't going to be around, but, um, you know, I, I hate to kick a guy when he's down. And I think if circumstances were different and he had a younger team that he was developing, you know, it, maybe he would have done a better job. It's hard to say. Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely think that he was not the right guy. It was, I think, more of a, a frustration on not the right level of, um, you know, assessment on whether he's prepared for the job before giving it to him. I wish in hindsight they had kind of just picked the right guy for the for the job and um, realized that he had his shortcomings and, and maybe not realize it after a season into it. Yeah, I mean, they, they hired him before the OBJ trade and before some of the other transactions. So I think when they yeah. hired him, the expectations weren't as high right, as what right. they became. So, you know, you're, you're hiring him. And, and at that point, the idea is that he's going to work with Baker and bring Baker along. And all of a sudden, by the time the season starts, people are talking Super Bowl. And it's like, and you got this rookie head coach. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. This just doesn't, this just doesn't fit together. Yeah, and, I can't even remember the odds in Vegas for for the Browns to win the Super Bowl. It was ridiculous. I mean, I, I'm I'm usually the guy that's in Vegas and you know I'll put down a flyer, you know, put ten bucks on a five hundred to one or two fifty to one, and yeah, yeah, everyone was buying into the Browns hype. Yeah, well, Vegas did all right on that one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know that that's why this this season I just uh, I'm good with kind of sitting back and watching these guys i like stefanski i like i like so many of the personnel moves uh, i'm really excited to see what these guys can do but i also just kind of want to watch things develop and not put all kinds of pressure on on anybody to come out and have to win their first you know two out of their first three or three out of their first four or anything like this because mm-hmm. it, it takes time to to Get a team together, uh, especially when you got all new, you know, um, all new schemes and, and, and playbooks and, and a new staff and a bunch of new guys coming in. So people in Cleveland hate to have patience, but you got to have some patience. And I think the best thing for this team is for this is for Kevin Stefanski to be around for a while. Yeah. I think that's more important than than being all worried about winning eight or nine or 10 games this season. Yeah. I watched this, um, this cool piece on ESPN about Stefanski when he was being considered for the job and um, just kind of breaking down his, his play calling schemes. And it's pretty impressive how he leverages, you know, the backs and the tight ends uh, just to kind of create the mismatches. So it'd be interesting to just, just watch a guy that knows the X's and O's to be able to dissect um, a defense on the offensive side. And it's funny because I went to, so I lived in California for a little while last year, and I went to the Browns Niners game on Monday night. And I thought that the oh. Niners, I thought that the Niners were way overrated, and the Browns are just going to steamroll all over them. And then I realized, holy cow! Like the Niners are for real, and oh the, gosh, Brown, the Brown, yeah. the Browns, yeah, and the Browns O line was just awful. So it, mm-hmm. it clearly, it clearly uh, made me realize, like we we have to establish the O line. I mean, they're not the sexy picks in a draft, but man, unless you protect you know, Baker and allow him to get the reads. And uh, I think they were just doing a lot of things. They were just trying to force things and he just didn't have the time. So then you realize like, okay, we can't really compete unless you have a lot more of the foundation blocks rather than just a few big names and key positions. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's the Browns O-line, and and it was just the pure strength of that San Francisco D-line. Exactly. I I, I mean, they were just, I I knew they were good going into that game. But (laughs) that game, I'm like, oh, my gosh, these guys are are (laughs) ridiculous. How do you stop these guys? And and I I knew that the Browns offensive line wasn't wasn't great. But, geez, I expected them to be able to slow, slow them down at least a little bit to be able to run some plays. and. Man, that game that game was rough. Yeah, no, it really exposed our D line too. I mean, we were pretty banged up, but they just ran smash mouth football, um, you know, all night that night. And I think even OBJ, he missed a a few just you know, <laughs> pretty pretty easy catches. So I think everyone just had a bad night. Yeah, and and that's gonna happen. And you know, and I I believe that uh, with Stefanski and with what he's gonna be doing. It, it wouldn't surprise me if the Browns come out and look really, really good this season. I just can't set myself up with, with that expectation, with everything being put together and being so new. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I need to allow these guys time, um, you know, to, to get to where they need to be. Because I, I think that's a normal expectation. Yeah, I, I was going to say in, in the world that we're living in today, honestly, I'll just be happy to see football, period. Um, so That's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. I mean, a, lot, a lot could change between now and September. So I, I think it's just fingers crossed that we are on the road to recovery and we could actually uh, see some live action, which would be awesome. Yeah, you you brought up Jadavian Clowney. What, what was he? What's he thinking? I mean, does he... You know, is he really is he really the guy that that says, oh, I'm not going to Cleveland because they stink? Or does he really think that he's worth more money than anybody's offered him? I mean, I just you know, if he's going to turn down the Browns offer, does he think he's still going to get a higher offer now? I just don't see a higher offer coming at this point. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the thinking is, but I'm sure we will be hearing uh, a lot of stories tonight on SportsCenter. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know what he's looking for, because um, I, I, I honestly think that he had a combination of a high offer along with a team that's that's clearly on, um, you know, this year. I think it's going to be an incredible year. So I, I couldn't yeah. ask for a better situation to have him and Miles as bookends would be incredible. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, yeah, I think the Browns are in pretty good shape without him, um, but adding him, you know, just make him that much better. Uh, um, you know, his choice. You, you know, you can't you can't make him come if he doesn't want to. If he doesn't want to come and play, then that's you know, it, it's it's his call. He's got he's got the football. He can take it home and you know sit there. I guess that's what he wants. Yeah. To do. Apparently he said he's just not in a rush to sign, so I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor, Skippin' Stones. Check them out for handmade stone, shell, and sea glass jewelry, pebble art, and frame poetry. Guys, Father's Day is coming up in about a month. Uh, you want to go and check out the yoga bracelets for men, and there's also some frame poetry that could definitely work for Dad for a Father's Day gift. Um, ladies, there's always stuff there you can check out. Uh, keep your eyes uh, keep your eyes open. There's going to be some personalized sports plaques added very soon. Uh, check them out on Etsy.com and Go Imagine. Check just search for the store 
S-K-I-P-P-I-N-S-T-O-N-E-Z. Now back to the action. Yeah, so so um, before we started recording, we were, we were talking about uh, Joe Thomas and the Titan Games. I know we both had a chance to catch his performance um, on that show. Uh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> that was pretty cool. It, for me, I wasn't just, you know, I'm not just watching the Titan games. I'm watching, I'm watching Joe Thomas from Cleveland. And I know he's not originally from Cleveland, but, but for me, he's an ambassador of Cleveland, Ohio <laughs> on, on TV, you know, and, and he's also Joe Thomas who used to look like an offensive lineman. And now he looks like, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, like any guy would want to look. I right. guess is how you might put it. Like a poor man's Kevin Love, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, he's just, yeah, he's he's uh, done a great job of uh, getting himself in, you know, just tremendous shape. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a great performance. Um, just calm, cool, and collected. Just a like a just like a tactician, like he was on the football field. Uh, just. Wasn't too worried about what anybody else was doing. Just did his thing, and and I I still don't know how he won <laughs> because yeah, he, it seemed like the, he, the other guy just didn't turn the key. It, it just yeah. <laughs> I'm like I, I'm watching it, and and I I have to say I missed I missed the show, so I watched it I watched it afterward. Um, but. You know, I'm watching this, I'm thinking, well, I thought he won. I'm looking at the very end, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, and he sneaks right in there and turns the key at the last possible second. I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I was, I was watching that, and I was partly surprised at how agile he is. Um, so I was kind of, like, laughing and cheering at the same time, and... You know, I thought for sure he lost, and I was like, "Oh, damn!" Like at least he had a you know good run. I was pretty impressed with how well he did, and then for him to actually pull it out by you know probably less than a second, I was like, "That's, yeah. that's awesome." Yeah. So, so tell me when uh, when people see Joe Thomas now, are they still thinking Cleveland Browns, or is or is he getting to be such a big star that he's Joe Thomas now on his own? I think it's partly a little of both. I'm sure if if and when he comes back um, to to do more broadcasting, uh, I, I suspect that that will be the face of the Browns. I think it's just a matter of time, as as we all know. Uh-huh. Um, but I think everyone will remember him as kind of the you know the consummate Brown, never missing plays, um, didn't leave the Browns to go anywhere else for his career. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty actually pretty excited. My my daughter's going off to Wisconsin next year, so give me a reason to root for the Badgers. It's it's kind of where he he came out and made his name. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Congratulations on that. Thanks. That's cool. So um, I I don't even remember when I heard this. Um, I think it was I think it was yesterday, but the uh, there have been things coming out about what the NFL is saying, and then. Uh, uh, J.C. Treader saying things on behalf of the, the Players Association about what's going to happen this season. Uh, the NFL said they're planning on playing in front of full stadiums. <laughs> and uh, 
and things are coming out about when training camp's going to happen. And, and JC Trotter's like, no, we haven't agreed on this yet. So, so don't worry about it. It's not settled. Where, where do you think we are on this stuff? Um, you know, are we still kind of in a wait and see all around on, on that? training camps on what we think is going to happen for games. I think we're in really, do you, do you think we're anywhere near figuring any of this out yet, Ray? Yeah. You know, that's a good question. I think you have to at least make the plans for what if we were to resume the season, what could it look like as opposed to just sitting on your hands and, and hope that you get the green light at some point And then you have to just scramble to figure out how this is all going to look. So, um, and, and what'll be interesting, I know hockey's further along. It sounds like they might be doing some type of just uh, round robin, um, like, you know, 24 team playoffs, just again, to try something, right? So I, I suspect that those types of leagues that move quickly because they're in season will give you a little bit more of a roadmap on is it working? Is it not working? Because, you know, some of the questions that you, you get asked are what happens if somebody tests positive on a team? Um, does that mean that you necessarily need to quarantine the entire team or do you take less drastic measures? Like, so for instance, I heard, um, like a scenario where you've got an offensive lineman who gets, you know, diagnosed with COVID and, you know, what does that mean to the other offensive lineman that he's been in meetings and coaches for the entire week? What happens to the guys that they've been going, you know, live drills the whole week. So if, if you think about that, if, if the disease goes kind of, haywire for an entire organization how would that affect the league so i I think you have to plan it all out but um, you just do the best you can so i think every one of these these you know leagues including the nfl they're just kind of doing their best attempt of kind of putting together what the plan could look like and we're talking about months from now so we don't know what's going to happen between now and then and we could have a complete boomerang of the disease and it could be worsened when it started or it could be completely gone away. So, um, but I mean, but you also have to understand the player's perspective as well. Um, cause you know, they're the ones that are ultimately going to be, you know, the ones that are having contact with other players. I mean, us as fans, uh-huh. we don't, we don't have any skin in the game and, you know, owners, they don't have, you know, they're not on the field, but the day-to-day contact with the players, the coaches, those are the individuals whose you know lives potentially could be at risk. And you know what happens if you have a player that contracts the disease and passes away? And will that be a wake-up call to say, all right, this is a little bit more than what we thought it was? Because I know I think it was like Carl Anthony Towns, his mother passed away of COVID nineteen. So when you start mm-hmm. hearing about individuals that get affected and and you know unfortunately pass away with the disease, it becomes more real. So. Um, you know, whether it's the NFL, whether it's another league, um, that could kind of give you the recipe for what things could look like in September. Yeah, I, I agree. And for me, the whole, the whole wild card thing is how do they handle this? If, if a player on a team gets, gets COVID-19 and, and has been around other players, I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to, are they going to you know, have to shut that entire team down for two weeks. I mean, because you would think that in most cases that player's been around almost everybody on that team, right? In the prior, in the prior week or two, you know. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know how you get around that. It, it seems that they could start this thing up, 
But then as soon as a few people start, a few players or a few, you know, anybody on the staff, anybody who's been around people, as soon as anybody comes down and, you know, contracts this, it seems like it's going to be a mess. Yeah. I mean, I applaud the leagues for at least uh, attempting to put together some type of basic framework for what a season could look like. But then you mm-hmm. realize there are all, there are a lot of variables, including, you know, getting players and the unions to, to be supported because they're looking for, you know, player safety at the end of the day. Right. So you can't compromise yeah. player safety for putting on some entertainment that we'd all love to see. And, you know, part of it, too, it makes you wonder there's probably a lot of the economics, right? So there's a lot of lost revenues with, you know, TVs and networks. So there's, there's a lot of uh, focus I'm sure on the bottom line and the need to move forward and not do anything. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of things, uh, pulling, pulling the league and, and, and players in different directions. Yeah. So it's all going to play out one way or another. Um, it's exactly like you said. I think we'll we'll know more, you know, the closer we get to to the season, and a lot of it may depend on what the arc looks like, you know, what kind of bounce back there is, uh, you know, or if or if uh, if the things under you know more under control at that point in time. So yeah, let, 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 let's hope that's the case. Yeah, one thing's for sure. I think going through this entire experience, all of us, we've we definitely appreciate how much sports is a part of our lives. You know, it's 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 the ultimate entertainment, and um, it's it's. <laughs> I would do anything to watch live sports right now. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> not not KBO, but you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> it just doesn't uh, light my fires, but sorry. <laughs> yeah. So. It, have you had a chance to to really look the the Browns schedule over? Yeah, I, I uh, took a quick peek at it. The, you know, the minute the schedules were released, I saw all of our uh, the Browns fans taken to to Twitter to to predict what the schedule will result as far as what's win loss record and whether we're going to make another Super Bowl run. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 an interesting schedule this year. We got a lot of awesome NFC games. Um, I see the Cowboys and the Redskins are on the schedule along with I think the Eagles are on it. So it's it's um, a lot of cool matchups in addition to our traditional um, divisional matchups. So I think the season starts yeah. off with a bang against the, the Ravens. So, you know, the Browns yeah. beat them once last year. So hopefully we can come out with a, a statement game and beat the, the Ravens. I think it's in Baltimore for week one. That would be awesome. Yeah, week one in Baltimore. And then they think they come right back at home against the Bengals on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then they and then they host the Redskins and they go to Dallas and then you know and and just kind of keep going and they the bye weeks near the middle of the season. Uh, I was just kind of looking this over uh, for me I think assuming <laughs> that the Browns uh are able to, to get some wins, and, you know, and, and, and have a decent season. I'm, I'm not here to predict. I, I'm nowhere close to predicting a record for this team. I, I don't really want any part of that at this point, um, you know, and I don't even know if I'm going to do that before the season or not. But I'm just looking at the schedule, and, and to me, the two games that really look uh, like they could 
turn the whole season if the Browns are anywhere close to competing for for playoffs or trying to get to a 500 record or anything like that would be weeks 13 and 14 because they're coming off of uh, mm-hmm. you know they're coming off of a stretch where they played the Raiders, the Texans, the Eagles, and Jaguars teams that they you know depending on how the season goes at least should be able to to hopefully play with and then they 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 go to Tennessee in week 13 and then they host the Ravens in week 14 yeah it's so, like a monday night game um yeah yeah monday night game right so those two games are are really huge and you know it, it could be it could be a factor of just trying to win one of those. You know, I don't, I don't think most teams are going to think you can, um, especially going off of uh, what happened last season <laughs> with the Titans and Ravens. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, kind of unrealistic to expect to win uh, both those games, but the Browns could be in a situation where winning one of those two games could, could really, uh, could really make the difference in their season. Cause after that, they've got, um, they're at the giants at the jets and then, you never take the Steelers lightly, but they finish up with the Steelers at home. It seems like they always finish up on the road with the Steelers. Yep. So they're actually right. at home this time, uh, which just makes the game a little bit more winnable. That's all. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that um, weeks 13 and 14 will be pretty critical games going into probably you know a, a relatively soft uh, landing with with both the Jets and the Giants, and depending on how the Steelers are, I, I, for whatever reason, I always think the Steelers are going to be bad, but they they always seem to have decent uh, years. They usually do, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, and you know, <laughs> like last year, like for instance, I I, I thought um, I thought we'd run away with the division, but boy, like Baltimore just completely surprised me. Um, so I I actually think that Week One matchup at Baltimore will be pretty telling of how the season's going to play out because if they can come out and make a statement game, we, we beat Baltimore last year. I think it was in Baltimore as well. Um, we would, I think, set the stage for, I mean, it's a pretty easy week two, I think, against the Bengals. And then you get into more of the NFC play. And then the Colts aren't to be underestimated either. So we've got, I think, those first two weeks, if we get off to a loss um, and, and just go into one and one after week two, um, then we've got some pretty strong teams coming up. So then I could see us potentially being a little demoralized going into to week three, four and five with some strong contenders. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the Cowboys I'm sure will be, be good. And that game's in Dallas. Um, yep. Colts. Yeah. Colts, uh, Colts slipped a little bit last season, but I think we all know they're better. They're a better team than sure. that. And, and then we're in Pittsburgh. Um, go to Cincinnati, <clears throat> host the Raiders, and, and then we're back into that stretch again. So, uh, it, I mean, it's an interesting schedule, but to me, it doesn't have the it doesn't have the the series of games that the Browns had last year, where they had just what looked like three or four games in a row that just seemed like they were against you know teams that were almost unbeatable. Um, looking at the beginning of the season and that. So um, not saying that the Browns have any easy games. There, there are no easy games in the NFL, but I think that's a nicely broken up schedule. Um, and, you know, we'll see how they do. Yeah, I hope um, 
first, I hope that we get to see a season. Um, and then two, it would be great to start off with a win. To, I, I think that'll kind of energize Browns fans into thinking like, all right, I, I think last year we all made the mistake that we're going to go to the Super Bowl. And then we got kind of uh, wind taken out of our sails pretty early. So if, if we could have more like moderate expectations going into this year, because I think we're better than we were last year, but I think people learned their lesson of, of uh, don't don't expect too much. Um, then maybe we can be pleasantly surprised by starting off with a W and just kind of riding that wave. It would be nice. <laughs> starting with a win is always good. Uh, for sure. <laughs> especially in, in Baltimore. Uh, it, it would. It would be huge for... It would be huge for the Browns. It would be huge for Stefanski and, and, and Barry. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it, it's a ways off, obviously, but um, I, I think uh, dreaming about that is, uh, you know, it, it's fun to do. I'll say that. So. Yeah. I was going to say, this is one of the few years I really enjoyed what the Browns did with the draft. So I'm hoping that we are yeah. able to – you know, actually build some of that talent and some of these guys I think can make year one impact. I, I agree. Yeah, I think, I think uh, definitely. Yeah. I think you're going to see some of those guys really helping out. So um, should, should be fun to watch. So how do you feel about, um, how do you feel about finishing up with a little bit of, of uh, Brown's trivia? Sure. All right. These are not too hard, but I don't want to. I don't want to try to make you look silly if you miss one. Okay. <laughs> sure. Um, because I have the answers and you don't. So, um, <laughs> uh, what Stanford fullback did the Browns select with the ninth overall pick in the 1992 NFL Draft? Was that uh, touchdown Tommy Vardell? That was touchdown Tommy Vardell. <laughs> nice. All right. So. Um, Two somewhat related questions. We'll go right in a row with these. Who posted a franchise best eight kickoff returns for touchdowns during his Browns career? Hmm. Well, I can go one of two on this one. Um, say Metcalf? It would be the other guy. Cribs? Yeah, it's Josh Cribbs. Okay. So I, I was just actually listening to your rebroadcast with Metcalf, so maybe that was on yeah. the line. <laughs> so let me see if you can get this one now. Who posted a franchise best five punt returns for touchdowns during his Browns career? Oh, that would be Eric. That would be Eric. Yeah, I had, I had to work him in. So, so yeah. <laughs> and then I would not have I would not have gotten this one. I don't think so. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see if you know this one. Despite rushing for only 762 yards in his Browns career. He left the team as its career leader in fumbles. Oh, boy. And I'll give you a clue. It's not a running back. <laughs> They're trying to trick you with the question. It's a quarterback. Repeat that question one more time now that you threw that loop in there. Yeah, despite rushing for only 762 yards in his Browns career, um, who left the team as its career leader in fumbles? Fumbles. Yeah. Uh, was that Bernie? Uh, it was actually Brian Sipe. Oh, Sipe. Okay. Yep. A doozy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have gotten that one. <laughs> it was kind of a trick question because you're thinking, well, he, he only rushed for that many yards. So you're yeah. thinking, what running back fumbled the ball that many times? And, yeah, and it's a quarterback. So, 
Um, the good old cardiac kids. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. So, uh, Ray, I I would like to give you a chance to to leave the the Browns fans and listeners with you know any anything you'd like to to say to them, anything oh. inspirational or anything else. Yeah, I think this is going to be um, a great year to be patient with you know the new coach, uh, the young talent that we've got. Um, I think this team is actually legit, uh, but I am I am keeping down my uh, optimism because I think we got burned so many times. But I'm going to really enjoy this year. Uh, let it soak in for how much football means to me, how much football means to the city of Cleveland, and hopefully that we are on the path of a true winning tradition. So I think that's the thing that I would love to see for the Browns. I mean, we've had so many good years in the past where it's very close, but not close enough. So I'm hoping that we're able to kind of see over the mountain this year and then um, just keep on up and up going forward. And, and hopefully we're able to keep these guys for a long time. I'd, I'd love for us to just create a tradition where you know, we've got career players, career coaches, and to not give up so fast on, on the people that we want to put our hopes on. Very well said. Excellent. Hey, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been great talking with you. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, man. I really enjoyed it. Sure thing. Um, and again, your Twitter handle is at theland76. Um, everybody, you guys uh, can give Ray a follow there. You can follow me at B. And this has been the Browns Blitz. We will catch you next time. Are you ready to give your employees and customers smooth, secure digital experiences? Then you need Ping Identity as an identity security pioneer. Ping champions your unique identity so your employees can be productive rock stars and your customers can engage with your brand wherever and however they want with lovable digital experiences. I'm the chief identity champion and I'm here to help. Visit pingidentity.com today. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.